The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Just to set the record straight, in case you've heard otherwise, Donald Trump will not be restored to the presidency this year, let alone in August. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. Friends, I want to be constructive. I want to be helpful. I want to be absolutely truthful, as always. And when I speak about President Trump being restored to the presidency this year, for some, you're thinking, why on earth are you bringing that up? That's a done deal. That's past tense. That's not going to happen. And others are saying, oh, no, no, you wait and see. And because it's back in the news in a pretty substantial way, I wanted to address it. But here's the deal. I'm going to give you the opportunity to call in 866-348-7884 and tell me why you think I'm wrong. When I assure you that President Trump will not be restored to the White House this year, that there is no scenario in which that will happen, that I'm quite sure of that. I want to give you the liberty to call in and tell me why you believe I'm wrong, why you believe it can happen or it even will happen. If you believe that the prophetic words, not just of a Trump quote victory, but that Trump would be inaugurated on the 24th of January, that Biden would not serve in the White House, etc. If you still believe those words were somehow true and you think I'm being unfair to those who prophesied otherwise, you can give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH. Now, I have reached out privately to those who gave some of these false words. In some cases, uh, did my best to speak directly and was unsuccessful. In other cases, interacted with people whose hearts were humble and recognized they had done wrong. But there's not a one of them who continues to speak out publicly and say, yes, you watch what's going to happen, and God spoke through us who has been willing to speak with me privately, just to let you know that. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, I want to post for those who are watching an article that we have on our website, AskDrBrown.org, where I go through some of the data. And and, and let me say this. Here's here's how I start the article, okay? I start the article by saying this. It's possible that Donald Trump will have a lot of political influence in the days ahead. It's possible. It's possible that he'll have the health and vitality to run for president again in 2024. It's possible. It's possible he might even win. So I'm not saying Donald Trump will have no political significance. I'm not saying that there's no possibility of Donald Trump ever being back in the White House. God knows. What I am saying is that he will not be restored to the presidency this year. He will not be reinstated to the presidency before 2024. It's not just something I can tell you I know in my gut. It's also something that does not have any scenario in which it will come to pass. All right, let me share some things from my article with you. And, and uh, 
I, I quote from a number of articles. This came to my attention, oh, about a month ago, a colleague reached out to me and said, Dr. Brown, are you going to address the rumors about Trump uh, running for office again in, uh, or, or being reinstated to the presidency in August of this year? I said, I haven't heard anything about that. He said, no, there are people talking about it and so on. I said, well, if it comes up, I'll address it. I'll certainly address it. So, and if you haven't listened to the show in weeks, I, the name of Donald Trump just doesn't come up. If there's something in the news that we talk about, fine. Otherwise, it's not on my focus, not my focus, not the agenda that we're, we're looking at. Uh, obviously, I militantly oppose much of the direction of the Biden administration and, and think that things that are being put forth in agenda and ideology are terribly dangerous and terribly wrong. I've been steadfast and clear on that. But when it comes to Trump, I, I told this colleague, if, if I see news about it and it comes up more and more, then I'll address it. So let me share some of my article with you, and we'll, we'll put it on the screen for those who are, who are watching. Um, according to a new Morning Consult political survey, 29% of Republican voters said it is at least somewhat likely that Trump will be restored as president in 2021 including 17% who said it's very likely. So if you want to dig into the data in depth, the 350-page survey has been posted online, all the data, all the, all the information. Uh, the, the poll itself states that it was conducted between June 4th and June 7th, 2021, among a sample of 1,990 registered voters. So that's a healthy sample as polling goes. The interviews were conducted online, and the data were weighted to approximate a target sample of registered voters based on gender, age, educational attainment, race, 2020 presidential vote, and region. Results from the full survey have a margin of error of plus or minus two percentage points. So I ask, are, are, the, are the findings reliable? Should they be taken seriously? Well, a, a summary of the poll states that, quote, 77% of voters said they believe America's democracy is currently being threatened, including 82% of Republicans and 77% of Democrats. That's, that sounds reasonable to me. Many on both sides are concerned about the direction of our country and the state of our democracy. The poll also found that, quote, only 40% of Republicans said they had at least some confidence in the U.S. electoral system. And, and that seems reasonable, too. It may even, may even be low. Perhaps the numbers are even uh, worse than that. At the same time, and this is what I find really interesting, the poll claimed that 13% of Democrats and 17% of independents also believe it is likely that Trump will be restored to the presidency in 2021. So, I mean, that, that one is, is a little bit baffling. So could it be that the fear-mongering of the left has produced these concerns? Or, or could it be that Trump's presence is just that ominous with the threat of his imminent return lurking in the back of people's minds? So Daily Mail reported on June 25th that, quote, the Department of Homeland Security is concerned by the theory that Donald Trump will be reinstated as president in August and is monitoring Extremist online communities for threats of violence, the agency's top counterterrorism official said Thursday. Now, to me, it's a complete overreaction, but hey, I'm not in the Department of Homeland Security. I don't know what chatter is out there. John Cohen, Assistant Secretary for Counterterrorism, stated that he was, quote, 
responding to the conspiracy theory sparked by reports from the New York Times, Maggie Haberman in the National Review earlier this month that Trump is telling aides he could be back in the Oval Office by August. The Mail also stated that he has uh, uh, that he's also been spreading the theory publicly and claims he's the source of the ah uh-uh. ah. Actually, there's something knocked out in my article there. It should say the Mail also stated that Mike Lindell, CEO of My Pillow has also been spreading the theory publicly and claims that he is the source of the claims. So it is Trump actually fueling the fires of speculation? Is he telling people, yeah, this is going to happen, or is those just reports? I mean, who knows? Someone claims this one says that one says it's hearsay. Until we have factual evidence, it's hearsay to me. But what I do know is that you, you still have some Trump prophets, some Christians who prophesied the re-election of Donald Trump, and then after the election results came in, they said, you watch, it's going to turn in December, and you watch states that are red states going to become blue states, and then it's going to happen by this date, and it's going to happen by that date, and then Trump will, in fact, uh, be inaugurated January 24th, and when each date didn't happen, it's as if they forgot what came out of their mouths before. This is shameful, friends. This is shameful. This discredits the name of Jesus. It discredits the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It discredits the charismatic movement. And to the larger watching world, it discredits the church, even those who don't believe in prophecy today. So when specific dates were given, and every single one of these dates that these different prophets gave has been proven wrong. And, and one, that was, it's going to happen by this month. And when it did, no, oh, no, you watch next month. Oh, oh, no, now you watch next month. Now he's been more fully discredited, and his board has told him he had to step down from ministry due to, to various scandals. <clears throat> but others just keep going, and the problem is there are believers out there gullible enough. It's one of the weaknesses in the charismatic movement. We have a lot of faith, but we're awful gullible. Non-charismatics are often very, oh, very sober-minded, but often cynical and unbelieving. Well, we charismatics can be full of faith, but absolutely gullible. So, you, oh, no, this, uh, you know, the, the, the blue is the red and the red is the blue. I mean, it just becomes ambiguous nonsense. So here's one gentleman that I've reached out to twice privately uh, through good channels without him being willing to speak with me. Here's his latest. This is Pastor Hank Kuhneman. This is his latest, quote, prophetic insight about why the prophets seem to be wrong. Let's, let's listen. Do we have it? There we go. Uh, hang. There we go. Why are the prophets missing it? No, listen to me. It's to make it look like the prophets miss it and mm-hmm. for them to have petitions. And it's to, it's to expose, but it's to bring forth something at the exact time that will be part of the fulfillment of God. All right. First, that is just spiritual mumbo jumbo. Mildred, I saw a comment on Facebook, you said Hank Kuhneman and Kat Kerr have not given dates. They have absolutely given dates. I watched a video of dates of what was going to happen in December. I watched videos by Hank Kuhneman of what was going to happen in the months after. He gave specific dates. Every prophecy with a date did not come to pass. Kat Kerr guaranteed that Trump would serve eight consecutive years in office, guaranteed it, eight consecutive years that he would sit in the White House, not Joe Biden, but Donald Trump these next four years. They are wrong. They prophesied falsely. They need to humble themselves and repent. 
that this is a spiritual nonsense that brings mockery to the name of Jesus. And, and I say this as someone who loves prophetic ministry and has been used in different ways in prophetic ministry, who believes that these things are for today. This is what brings reproach. Well, yeah, you see, the reason that it's not happening is to make it look as if we're wrong and then to vindicate. What, in 30 years, in 100 years, in 1,000 years? Please, let there be some humility and some integrity. Anyone can be wrong. Anyone can make a mistake. All prophecy must be tested. What God's looking for is some character where people say, we blew it, we were wrong, we're in deep repentance, searching our hearts to find out how we got things wrong. This just brings reproach to the name of the Lord. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. Do I believe that we should be looking at the 2020 election results carefully on every level to ensure that there was voter integrity, that there was no fraud? Absolutely. I do. You say, oh, man, it's been totally disproven. Well, others say it hasn't. Either way, tens of millions of Americans have questions. Let all investigations take their course. All right? You say, well, Dr. Brown, what happens if it's proven that there was electoral fraud and the election was stolen? Okay, that's, number one, it's a long way off. But even if it happened, America is not just going to say, or the Democrats, those in power are just going to say, okay, that's it. We'll just put Trump in instead of Biden. It's not going to happen. Even if they could be demonstrated, the election results have already been certified. You'd have endless court cases. And perhaps the best case scenario you could imagine is elections before 2024, something like that. But even that's a massive stretch. The idea that something is going to happen, a lot of this goes to QAnon conspiracy junk and false prophecies, that something's going to happen and Biden suddenly removed and Trump restored. No, that is not going to happen. That is conspiracy theory. That is myth. That simply will not take place. So should we do whatever we can do from all sides, Democrat, Republican, left, right, and center, from all sides, so that moving forward, we have confidence in the integrity of our elections? Yes, absolutely. Who would argue with that? Who would not want that? And and look, if I knew I won fair and square and people disputed it, well, then turn over every stone. Look at every possible option. Let's be 100% sure that there's no doubt. If, if I'm confident in that, and, and if on the flip side, if I'm confident that someone's hiding something, I, I, I want that brought to the light. The principle of John 3 from Jesus, those, those that, that do truth walk in the light because they want, they want everything to come to light. It's like, hey, I got nothing to hide. On the flip side, if I'm hiding something, it's like, no, don't, talk, don't question me. And so let everything come to light, by all means. But there is no scenario in which Donald Trump will be restored to the presidency in 2020. Nor should that be our focus for 2021. That should not be our focus. That should not be our agenda. Whatever good or bad he did, that's past. 
whatever good or bad he does in the future, that's still to come. We got our work cut out for us to live gospel lives, to be witnesses to our neighbors, to pray for revival, to stand for what's right in our communities. And then when it comes to vote in 2022, 2024, we vote. But that's down our list of most important things to do. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Cecilia in New York City. Welcome to the line of fire. Hello. Thank you. Um, my question is, is everything that's happening from Trump with his followers, uh, QAnon, Fauci, and COVID, like a prelude as to what's to come? Like, are we believers being shown things to see how we will handle it when the heat gets turned on? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And certainly, let, let's just look at COVID, for example. Uh, we have a situation where fear struck our nation where government intervened in ways that had never intervened before in our lifetimes, where to this moment there's dispute as to whether we should wear masks or not, whether the vaccine is necessary or whether the vaccine itself might be dangerous, whether the government has done, gone too far, whether Anthony Fauci is a good guy or a bad guy. But suddenly we have a scenario where you have to wonder, okay, can I get into a certain country without a vaccine? Can I get into a college campus without a vaccine? Can I work my job without wearing a mask without a vaccine? You know, these are questions that are coming up now on a daily basis. And what if there was a consensus among all the nations in the world, okay, no one can travel without a vaccine or, or you can't do businesses in stores with, without it. So no, it's not the mark of the beast. But it's the kind of parallel thing where you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast, you know, without submitting to that world system. And, and what about infringement on our liberties? So we're kind of faced with a trial run in that regard of how we respond. And my feeling is that you've got different players. You've got people in the medical industry who really are trying hard to save as many lives as possible. And many believe the vaccine is good and helpful and, of course, mass, important, etc. You have others who are opportunistic and seeking to exercise more government control and bring the people into subjection. And you have others who are looking at this as a great opportunity to make money. Uh, others maybe opportunity to, to depopulate the world. So you've got all different players in this. And then you've got the church in the middle wanting to practice loving our neighbor, honoring authority, but at the same time pushing back against usurping of our rights. So it's a complex situation, and one that I think has exposed a lot of problems in the government, uh, has exposed a lot of issues in terms of trust, and has exposed a lot of division within the church. So if this is a trial run, just on that level, I don't think we've done too well. That's the first thing. Second thing, when it comes to the QAnon conspiracies and all of that, I think we failed pretty badly there for so many believers to follow such nonsense. Obviously, many of us have had it with what we would call fake news. Many of us have had it with uh, the control of big tech. And, and there were things within QAnon that appealed to our sense of righteousness. But that also exposed uh, a real gullibility there. And when it comes to Trump, I think we failed pretty badly there. My book, Evangelicals at the Crossroads, will we pass the Trump test, meaning can we remain united around Jesus while differing over Trump, and can we vote for Trump without hurting our witness? 
I think we failed it pretty badly, not by voting for him. I voted for him twice, but by looking to him as some kind of political savior, by defending him when he was indefensible, by even becoming like him, by becoming politi- politically obsessed. So I, th- I think to whatever extent these are trial runs, I mean, everything we go through in life is a test of some sort in terms of how we respond. Uh, I, I don't think we did too well. On the flip side, it's a great learning opportunity, right? It's, you know, I, I once saw an event where a guy had lost in sports, heartbreaking. He said, hey, I tell my kids there are no losses, only lessons. So let these be lessons for our growth. Let's pray for greater wisdom. And I think if I polled your average American and said, how much confidence do you have in the, the government from Trump to Biden in terms of how the pandemic's been handled? I, I think trust would be pretty low. We really, I mean, can I say that I know that I know that people really know what they're doing? No, and that's a concern because I'd like to. So those are my expanded thoughts on your simple question. God bless. Thank you so much. You are, you are very welcome, Cecilia. God bless you. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Adam in Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Hey. Okay, so... Um, I just want to get your input. I could be clear off, and maybe you'll at least put me in the right direction. But I always had a strong feeling that the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about was the government, and it stands where it ought not, by people believing it is the best way to show us how to live and what to live for. And I was wondering if you thought maybe, if, if I'm even close there, that that beast being wounded with this deathly wound could be something like, an election being totally stolen, you know, and people totally lose its faith in it, and somehow it recovers, and we, we go back to trusting and leaning on the government to be our best provider. Right. So I believe that we need to be very careful not to look to the government in that way as our salvation, right. as our provider, and that there are good spiritual lessons to learn at this point. As to the scriptures using, no, I I would differ. The abomination of desolation, Daniel mentions, its first application is to the defiling of the temple by by Antiochus Epiphanes in the the mid-2nd century B.C. And and then a secondary application is when the Romans defiled the temple in Jerusalem uh, before destroying it in the year 70 A.D., whether it was bringing an idolatrous banner in or something like that. And then I believe there'll be a future application with a physical temple in Jerusalem that in some way will be defiled. It could be the Antichrist setting himself up as, as God. So I, I do see those having literal fulfillment in the literal temple in Jerusalem. And then Revelation 13 um, and, and the various passages that, that you're referencing, um, I, it's apocalyptic literature, which means it's visionary. It's, it's put forth in symbols and images its first application would have been with a, a Nero type of ruler or whoever the Roman emperor was persecuting the church. And then there'll be a, a final application with an Antichrist figure, as I read and understand Revelation. So, I, I, no, I don't see this in terms of the, the wound, the election stolen. That, to me, was not a, a fatal thing. However, uh, I do agree with you, putting the scriptures aside. So I, I don't agree with the scriptural interpretation with all, with all respect. But the spiritual application, the overall point you're coming to, yes, it, it's, it's important. Not in government we trust, but in God we trust. And 
and the right, even the best elected officials who can do good for America can only do limited good because the political system is, is part of the world. It is not a, a spiritual thing of the eternal kingdom, but it is of this world. Uh, it has its weaknesses. It has its corruption. It, it has its limitations. So we pray for good government. We do our best to see that the government serves the people in America, but we put our trust in God and the Great Commission and the advancing of the gospel through America. A healthy church thriving in holiness, purity, righteousness, soundness in the word, life in the spirit, that's the great antidote for a sick America. Hey, thank you for the call. Be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH. You know, seduction is often very subtle. It often comes in gradually. It starts off innocently, and then it goes wrong. Uh, it happened with me with studies. In, in the, the 70s, you know, getting saved and then digging into the word more, then starting college, then getting more theologically oriented, then studying more, praying less, and then studying and learning, becoming a bit of an idol. And before you know it, I'm, I'm earning a PhD and, and I've left my first love. I'm a serious believer in many ways, but I left my first love. It was out of love for the word and love for study and things that were good and healthy that I did what I did. But then it became an idol. It, it, it took a wrong place in my heart, and I, I had to lay it all down, burn it up in that sense in terms of what my attitude was, and then God gave it back as a tool. I finished my doctorate, and scholarship has been a tool for ministry ever since, but not an idol. It's very easy for things like this to happen. Maybe, maybe you felt called to the mission field, but you didn't want to have to rely on people for support. You had a mailing list, ask people to give. You felt like a beggar. So you always entrepreneurial. You start a business. And the goal is once the business is doing really well, turn it over to a colleague to run. And then that business supports you out on the mission field. Problem is, once you get into the business that starts to do really well, you get really caught up with it and excited about it and charged with it. And you forget about the mission field. Not, not everyone's called to the mission field. Some are called to business. I understand that but it's not to the heart. The same way with many of us in politics. It started off innocently enough that, that we don't like the direction one party's going, that we vote for the other party or candidate. And then that candidate really stands up for values important to us so that we stand up them, for them more. And, and over a period of time, it becomes an idolatrous thing. It takes a wrong place in our heart and life. That's what can happen. 866 348 884. Uh, let's go to Stuart in Naples, Florida. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Dr. Brown, God, I haven't talked to you in about four years. How are you today? Doing great, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm the guy that said, would you bet your kids on uh, Ted Cruz? You remember that? You answered back, too. 
but uh, how do they answer? Years and years. How do they answer? You said I would bet my life on no, my kid's life on no candidate. Good. That's that that's how I ho- that's how I hoped I would have answered, even when I was endorsing <laughs> Ted Cruz. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Glad to hear that. Okay. I, uh, so I actually was at Hank Cunahan's church in, um, I believe it's in Omaha, Nebraska. I actually traveled during COVID. I, I went to 44 states, but, um, and I think there was a couple other guys. A lot of them were on Sid Roth's show, and they were all, you know, saying this and that and this and that. And, you know, I found myself falling a little bit for that because I was thinking, oh, yeah, Trump's the man. And this is obviously after the election's already done you know, the second time, and whatever, however it happened, he lost, whatever, I don't really care, it's it's done, it's finished, and people don't understand, if they reverse that, there would literally be blood in the streets, every every major urban area, New well, York, I'm from New York, you're from New York, yeah, of course. it'd be mayhem, there'd be thousands of people dead, and uh, the, what what set me off was when I went to the church, Cat Kerr, now, you know, I met you at David Wilkerson's church. I met you quite a few times there, but whatever. That was years and years ago. David Wilkerson, I don't think he'd even give Cat Kerr the time of day. Yeah, he'd, t- you know, he'd give her the time of the day biblically, but she was talking about dogs in heaven, and I told my wife, and I said, Ike Cave, this woman's out of her mind. She's talking about dogs in heaven. Yeah, well, like, but Stuart, yeah. here's, here's <laughs> the deal. Whether or not... Their dogs in heaven is is not an issue. Well, I don't that, care about right, the right, dogs right, in right. Heaven. Exactly that we focus doctrinally, on. Doctrinally, doctrinally, right. There are a million other, there are a million other issues, or I should say, yes. many other issues in the few clips. And not the up. pink hair. <laughs> yeah, the the are the, big issues. They're serious issues in terms of serious false prophecies. And, and look, here's the deal: the Bible tells us to test them. The Bible That's explicitly right. tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5, which falls on the heels of Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18, that prophetic words must be tested. We are being biblical in testing them. And it's one thing if someone says, look, I, I had a general sense of things. Prophecy can often be mysterious in the Bible. Uh, sometimes someone has a word for you and it makes no sense now, but a year later it makes sense. We have to give room for that. Uh, our prophetic standard statement is now available. Let's see, uh, German, Portuguese, Spanish, I believe, on the uh, propheticstandards.com website, propheticstandards.com. You can read it, and if you're a leader, we invite you to sign it. So we go through these yeah. issues that, that uh, we understand the nature of prophecy, but when someone says, thus and such will happen on thus and such a date, and it doesn't right. happen— and, and there are no conditions associated with it. It's one thing if you said, the Lord showed me that in one month there is going to be an extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit if we will take this month in fasting and prayer. And no one prays and fasts. Yeah. Okay. Then, you know, you don't know was it a real word or not. But certainly you can't write it off as a false word because there was a clear condition given with it. But when you have Kat right. Kerr guaranteeing that Trump will sit eight consecutive years in the White House, followed by eight consecutive years of Mike Pence. That's a false prophecy, flat out. Yep. When you have yep. Hank Kuhneman, who again, I tried to reach out to on a couple of occasions. I don't know him at all, but previously yeah. he, he's written about prophetic accountability in, in good terms from what friends have told me. Uh, but when he gives specific dates, one of my friends put together a video of each of the specific dates that he set. 
And what's going to happen here, here, here? Not a single one of them happened on time. That's the very thing I started calling out in advance, Stuart. I, I started calling out saying, okay, look, come Inauguration Day, you're either right or you're wrong. It's that simple. You're right or all of you who say that he will be inaugurated, all of you who say that Biden will not sit a day in office, you're either right or you're wrong. If you're right, that's amazing. What, what courage to hold on to a word when it looked like everything was against it. The elections are done. It's over. It's not going to happen. What courage and faith to hold on to a word when, when it looked impossible. Man, that's amazing. Haven't you done that? I've done that when it seems everything's against you and all hope is gone, but you know that you know God spoke, you hold on to it. And sure enough, it's like, wow, life from the dead. And I said, if, if you're wrong, just humble yourself, right? Let's throw you under the bus. It, it's possible to get wrong. Your passions can rise and, and you're so concerned about where the left is going and things like that. It, anyone could make a mistake. Just humble yourself and, and let's pick this up together and move forward. There's a major article in the July-August issue of Christianity Today. I, I was interviewed extensively in it, but it starts talking about my younger colleague whom I've helped mentor, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, and how he got things wrong with the Trump prophecies and how he humbled himself and, and insights and things learned from there. It, it's a very helpful article. And it's, it, it, it displays how we should respond when there are errors, trace back how we made them, why they happened, make correction for the future, and move forward. But what is unacceptable, unjustifiable, and inexcusable is to continue to prophesy falsely without taking responsibility for failed prophecies. That is inexcusable, and that deserves public correction. 866-34-TRUTH. Hey, Stuart, good to hear from you again. Uh, let's go to Paul in Highlands, Texas. Welcome to the line of fire. Dr. Brown, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Um, I was going to give you a little information. Now, you're talking about Kat Kerr and Hank Kuhneman and all of them. Basically, if you take a look at Trump's payroll, you will see that he's paid those evangelists millions, okay? Um, how, how, do you, yeah, how do you know that, sir? Uh, you can get a copy of it. Uh, basically, the Solar Winds hack, okay, was a bunch of twelve-year-old gamers. Okay, in two thousand eight, Trump was at a Bilderberg meeting. Okay, this meeting uh, and with the minutes of the meeting is exactly what's going on. Trump's still the president. Okay, if you don't think that they're the government's gone, they are all gone. It is all a green screen. He it's Trump TV, okay? He still rides in Air Force One. He is wait, with wait, the wait, elite. Wait, 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 hang, hang on, hang on. I just want to be clear. You're yeah. saying that Donald Trump is actually running the government right now? Yeah, he's got sixty thousand CIA and Russian special forces and they're overthrowing governments right now. All right, so, his- so right, right. Hang on. And Everything we're seeing with Joe Biden and, and being in Europe. Yeah, with these Joe other Biden's leaders. got blue eyes, man. The dude on TV's got brown eyes. If you look, he's an actor. Oh, so it's an actor. Donald. Yeah, and, and Joe Biden's in the hospital. By the way, I have pictures from the nurse. He's been in the hospital. He was he ah. since the inauguration. Ah, okay. And 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 you know this how? I have photographs of it. Uh, and you and you and I have their game plan in 2008 Bilderberg meeting. This was what Trump and them set out to do. Okay. In the Bible. All right. So, so, so Paul, okay. yeah, just, just just to be candid with you, mm-hmm. I don't know you at all, but this okay. sounds like absolute, utter. I know it does, but I'm, I'm telling you. 
No, I'm not, telling not you. Not only that, I, I would say, I'm going to ask sir, you a question. With, with all respect, in the Bible, Paul, Paul, hang on, that you have lost touch with reality. I don't mean to insult no, I you, but you in have the lost Bible, touch who with reality, child sir. Huh? You have lost touch with reality. I haven't. In the Bible, who stops child sacrifice? Who stops child sacrifice? Well, different kings did. In like the Bible, Josiah, the person for stops child sacrifice. Josiah was one who stopped child sacrifice, for example. Wasn't it the Antichrist? No. In the middle of the week? In the, in the middle of three and a half? No, sir. No, sir. Yeah, are you sure? 100% sure. Not, not a hint about child sacrifice mentioned. Not, not a syllable, sir. Uh, Paul, hey, with, with all respect, I don't mean to be nasty, insulting to you, demeaning to you, but you did call... And this is for the world to watch and see and listen on radio and online. But you've lost touch with reality. And whatever you're believing and the information you're getting fed, I don't know if this is a recent thing or going on for years, but you've lost touch with reality and, and you're mis, misreading the Bible as well. I'd encourage you to put all this stuff down. Stop following whatever news sources you're following and, and be part of a good, healthy church. And, and major on the majors, living a godly life, loving your family, being a good witness on the job, major on the majors, and get back to reality, because this is simple deception you're following. May, may the Lord help you and give you grace. It may jar you, sir, but you do need to be jarred. All right, we'll be right back with your calls, 866-34-TRUTH. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH. I want to say one other thing about prophetic ministry. I love prophetic ministry. I believe in prophetic ministry. I, I started teaching on prophetic ministry in the early 80s. I have written on prophetic ministry, written a commentary on the book of Jeremiah, one reason being that I, I wanted to bring to a larger reading audience and pastors and theologians the reality of the heart and burden of the prophet. Working on a commentary on the book of Isaiah now, that's part of the goal as well, to convey the burden, the heart of the prophet. I've seen amazing things with my own eyes, received words, delivered words. I love prophetic ministry. I honor prophetic ministry, which is why I am so grieved that in so many people's eyes now, it's just the extremes, the errors, that the bad apples, however many they are, are making the apples themselves, not just good apples, but apples themselves. You know, wow, damn, we shouldn't, they're all poison. Stay away from it. So if you love prophetic ministry, then pray for purity to rise. I've addressed this for years in writing as well. I was close to men like David Wilkerson and Leonard Ravenhill who brought prophetic wake-up calls to the church. Close to men like that and, and have ministered side by side with respected prophetic ministers over the years. I love and believe in prophetic ministry. 
which is why I am so jealous for the truth and jealous for the purity of prophetic ministry and not some of the silliness that we are seeing these days. And remember, New Testament prophetic ministry is not primarily some type of glorified fortune-telling and, and just a matter of, okay, what's the Lord showing you about this and this and this? God reveals as he does. God speaks as he does. And, and most of it ends up being more for, for personal growth and to draw people to Jesus and to advance the kingdom on a daily basis as opposed to knowing the headlines before they happen. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to uh, MLA in New Jersey. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, how you doing, Dr. Brown? Doing well, thank you. Hey, um, you know what? I had a question, but now I just had two questions while I was sitting here, like, listening. Um, um, you had talked about in the beginning of the broadcast how you had tried to reach out to some of these people that had made these prophetic claims. Mm-hmm. And um, three came to mind. Um, one was named Chris Yoon, another one named um, Mark Taylor, and then another one was named um, Marcus Rogers. And my first question is, um, have you reached out to them, and what are your thoughts on them? And then secondly, um, what's your take on people who who said that Trump was going to um, win the election, um, but like say they'll say like, oh well, he did win the election, but it was but it was stolen. Right. So it was so that that way. So pretty yeah. much those are my. Those are my questions. I, I had another one, but I, I could call you back at another time. All right. Like Thank you. Okay. So Thanks, re- regarding the three men that you mentioned, I've never mentioned them publicly uh, in the way that I mentioned Hank Kuhneman, for example, today, uh, and I did not reach out to, to any of them. Normally, um, if, it's, if it's someone that I have access to and I'm going to address a concern publicly, I'll reach out to them. You know, uh, Someone that I know did something really miserable a few weeks ago, a big public mistake. I reached out to him privately and urged him to apologize for it, which he did, and I never, I never addressed it in any other way because I was able to do it privately. If, um, if President Biden did something that grieved me, I'm not going to say, well, let's see if I can reach President Biden, if it, you know, <laughs> something like that. I'll, I'll just address it, right? If some late-night TV host says something I differ with I want to talk about, I'm going to try to reach that person privately. I have no access. But if I do have access to them, I'll reach out to them privately. If I'm going to try to address something publicly, I'll try to reach out privately first if I can. But I I have not addressed any of those gentlemen publicly. I will only say this, that uh, reading one of Mark Taylor's books about Trump prophecies, uh, once I saw how much they were into this, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pages of alleged revelations, I felt things were certainly out of order. In other words, it, it puts prophecy almost in an Old Testament setting as if you're, you're almost adding new revelation, you know, like it's the Bible and, you know, page, hundreds of pages of this and got in the intercession. So whatever may have been true words that were given— I know he says he got the timing wrong. He thought Trump would be elected in 2012 and then realized it was 2016. That can happen. Timing is the biblical prophets got wrong. First Peter 1 says it. They, they thought it was for their day and found out, no, it's, it's for future generation. That can happen with, with anybody, uh, even in our own lives. You know, have a sense something's about to happen and we get the timing off even though the thing does happen. Uh, but I do have a concern on the dependence of prophecy 
or the role that prophecy played, which is way beyond the way I see it in the New Testament. Uh, as for the idea that uh, they prophesied Trump would win the election, and they say he did, uh, but it was stolen. Here are my problems with that. Number one, no one was concerned with the abstract question of who wins an election if it's going to be stolen, but rather who's going to be the next president sitting in the White House. That's, if you asked every one of those prophets in advance, are you saying that Donald Trump will be reelected and will sit in the White House again? Every one of them would have said yes. Not a one of them would have said he's going to be elected, but the election is going to be stolen. Not a oh. one of them. So to me, that's a cop out afterwards. That's the first thing. This, the, second thing, the second thing is, why did not a one of them have the word that the election would be stolen then? If, if so many of them agreed that, that Trump would be elected, then why didn't they get the bigger word that it's going to be stolen? Uh, unfortunately, many of them then entrenched themselves and guaranteed Biden will not sit in the office in the White House a single day. Or they said, watch, this is going to be overturned. This is going to be overturned. And all those things did not come to pass. But if someone said, we prophesied he'd win the election, he did win the election. The problem with that, that's like abstract information of no value. It would be like, you know, I need to know. I've got this massive thing of crops. I need to know, do I do major watering? Is there a storm coming next week? A storm is coming next week. Okay, great. Then I don't water. But actually, there's going to be aliens who intercept the rain. Okay, well, that, that's what I need to know. That I, so, I mean, that's, that's what we wanted to know, right? Who's going to be next president? And that's where I believe, again, that there were genuine words about Trump being elected in 2016 when it seemed so unlikely and it got many of us even considering the possibility. But then presumption set in, among other things, with 2020. Hey, thank you, sir. For the questions, I appreciate it. And got time for another call. We go to Raleigh, North Carolina. Dan, welcome to the Line of Fire. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, the church being stuck in the middle of uh, obeying the authority placed above them here in America, this is one thing that I reached out to multiple churches saying, if we truly care about our leaders, they, the vast majority, put their hand on a Bible and took a vow to uphold the Constitution. So as the Church, as the believers in the Almighty God, and having the fear of taking a vow and breaking it, we, in order to submit to that authority, should have said, we cannot listen to you. You can go change the Constitution, telling us we can't go to work and can't go to church. But until then, you've taken a vow to the God that we know is more powerful than any virus. And so we can't submit to the authority that you're taking when you don't have it, because you took a vow to uphold something on so, the Bible. So, yeah, so, so Dan, let, let me ask this. Yeah, let, let, yeah. let me ask this. The Bible gives us many principles about the importance of saving lives and, and steps to be taken to save lives. And, you know, the idea of quarantine is, is taught in, in Scripture you know, with certain diseases and conditions. So would you say that it's contrary to the Bible if there were genuine concerns of a spreading pandemic that elected officials said, we believe that this is the best way to prevent the spread of the pandemic and, pe and, and people from dying? Why would you feel that they were violating an oath that they swore in, in doing that? Because they took an oath on the Bible 
to uphold the Constitution, which doesn't give them that authority. So in other words, we're either more afraid of God, just like Daniel's three friends. Oh, King, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to anything other than what we know is true, which is our God. So All right, so, you so is it, to uphold some. Just under, yeah, just to understand, and, and look, the I talked about it earlier, the question of when to obey, when not to obey, how far was too far. Certainly with church restrictions, many things, obviously there was serious government overreach, so I'm, I'm with you on that. But when you've got a Category 5 hurricane about to hit an area and everyone's told evacuate, evacuate, are obviously you can't force everyone to, but are people violating the Constitution when they do that? No, I mean, I, look, I'm not telling people to go out and lick doorknobs. I'm saying we as the Church mm-hmm. have to love those leaders, even if we disagree with them. We have to show our fear and respect for God greater than anything else. And so in order to absolutely love these leaders well, we have to show that we believe this God of the universe is real and to be feared more than any virus, more than any fiery furnace. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm jumping in just because I'm out of time. But a conversation we will have to continue in terms of when we obey, when we don't obey, what is government overreach, what is not. Hey, we've got a fascinating show coming your way tomorrow. Keep the conversation going if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Have at it. The platform is yours. Dan, sorry I had to cut you off, but we're out of time. God bless. Another program powered by the Truth Network.